SRA. Well, good morning, church. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Michael. I'm also on the ministry team here. It's great to be able to open up the Bible with you guys today. Uh, but let me pray for us first. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that this morning we can come together to remember the death and the resurrection of your son, Jesus. Please help us to be with us now as we hear from your word. Amen. <clears throat> so put your hands up if you remember your first job. Remember the first job. Well, my first job was working as a knife filler at Woolworths in Menai. Now, in just two weeks, I have to rem- I learned every, where every single item is in the store. If you show me like a most random item, I can tell you exactly which aisle you can find the item and where about in the shelf. It's rather sad, but it helped me in my grocery shopping for the rest of my life. <laughs> I can now just walk in and walk out straight away. It's really, really helpful. But the thing is, when you work in a supermarket or in any retail store, one of the things you hear often the most is the radio. You hear the radio plays all the time. And let me tell you this, the radio plays all day and all night. As a night filler, I work after hours. So I often work 7 p.m. and work until 5 a.m. in the morning. Or some, I once did 7 p.m. to 9 a.m. shift. The radio plays nonstop. Now, more of the songs that plays very often is the Woolly song. He can tell me what is the motto of Woolworths Supermarket. What is the motto? The fresh food people, right? The fresh. You emphasize the fresh. I'm not going to sing the song to you now, but that song is in our head all the time. And when we're doing our training, it often tells us that being a fresh food people is not just a job, but it's our passion. And so a joke runs among us in our team is being a fresh food people, it is just a job, not a passion. We say that all the time when the song being played. That is the attitude amongst our team. That with our job, it's just a job, it's not a passion. And you know what? It's not a good attitude to have. But today I'm going to show you how in the Bible, in our reading today, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, that Paul has the opposite attitude um, to the one that was with his team, his knife team at Manai had. But we see that passion he has of telling other people about Jesus. Last week, uh, Jeff came up and told us from, uh, spoke to us from chapter 1 of one Thessalonian, and it tells us how the church there had a great reputation. They turned from idols to God, and it was a successful visit for them. But behind the success, there was pain. Have a look with me in verses 1 and 2 um, on the screen of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. It says, You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We have previously suffered and been treated outrighteously in Philippi. Now, Acts 16 tells us that while in Philippi, they were flogged and they were thrown into prison because they told other people about Jesus and they drove out demons in one of the women there. And the environment of a Roman prison would be nothing but atrocious. But they pressed on. That didn't stop them. They pressed on and Paul and Silas even brought their jailer and his family to Christ. This is Paul's passion. We can see Paul's passion to share the message of Jesus. And it reminds the people in verse 2, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dare to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. The source of that passion is with the help of our God. You see, if God wanted something to happen, nobody could stop him. Nothing could, could stop God's plan. And that's the one thing that a Pharisee 
which Paul was, named Gamaliel, he learned, he only knew too well, when he was urging other Pharisees not to put other apostles to death in Acts 5. He says this, For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop this man. You will only find yourselves fight against God. Nobody can stop God's plan. And it is God's purpose for his message and his kingdom to grow. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said this word. He said, you will receive the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in all Samaria, and to the end of the earth. You see, it is God's plan to see his word spread out to, the, to, every, to every corner of the world. And God uses people like Paul and people like us today. It is also a comfort to us. Many times we, have, we want to share uh, the message of Jesus, the message of new life with our friends and family. We try to connect, um, we try to care, communicate, and commit. But often, we take a long time without any fruit. But the good news is, it is God's plan that some will turn to Him. And we know that some have turned to Him. Have a look at the people around you. Have a look in the mirror. Some people will turn to God. God is using us to grow His kingdom. So far, Paul has told them the reason, the why of his work. The next thing is the how. And the how is equally important as the why. Who here has bought a car before? Who's bought a car before? Do you like, buying, do you like the experience of buying a car? You, you love it? Yeah? Who says no? Who hates buying a car? Like the process of it. What is the worst thing when purchasing a new car? The price? The pressure, yeah? Marketing. Marketing, that's right. Oh, that's right. And the negotiation, right? I had some of negotiation. I think the worst thing is, that I dreaded the most, I had to buy uh, my car a few years ago when my car died. And I think what the worst thing would be handing over the money. But I think the second worst thing is the negotiation. You talk to the agent. Because, you know what? If you're anything like me, I hate bargaining. I wish you could just rock up. You can go to a website and you can see the select your car you want and the price is there, you can just pay it, right? Or I wish they say like an Amazon for car, like an Osbargan for car. I hate bargaining because I'm not a good negotiator and I always know, even with this car I have now, I always know I could get a better deal out of it. I always know I get a better deal out of it. Speaking of car um, agent, anybody know who this man is? Who is he? Who can you tell me? Ruby. Mr. Wormwood of the Wormwood Motors from? From Matilda, that's right. Now, Mr. Wormwood is one dodgy used car dealer. Let me tell you why. He would sell stolen cars for high prices, and he would also put sawdust into the engine to make them run smoothly, just long enough for the customer to drive far away to return. He will repaint old car as new car. He will also rewind the odometer, which is the uh, meter that tells you how far the car has traveled, and then sell them as new car. Mr. Wormwood is full of deception, trickery, lies, and full of error. Now, Paul says that this is not the way he communicates the gospel. It's the exact opposite of what he would do. So the question is, how does Paul share the message of Jesus with his churches? Paul begins by telling us 
what he didn't do, and then he told us what he actually did. So if you look at verse uh, 3 with me, he said this, For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. Instead, Paul said, on the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. See, the gospel message, the message of new life, it comes from God and is approved by God. The ultimate authority for our message is the Bible. The Bible, the whole Bible is the word of God. It is not about changing the message so people would like it, but it is about communicating the truth accurately. We need to remain faithful to the word. See, as Christians, we are called to give and to live the message of new life. Our role is to make sure that we communicate the truth faithfully and accurately to others. The same for all of us here, whether we teach our kids here at New Life Kids or we teach our kids at home, whether you be a youth group leader or you teach your teenager at home, or rather we're leading a life group, or rather we teach or we share the message with our friends and our family. We need to teach the truth faithfully, even when it means teaching what is unpopular and going against the culture. See, the whole Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is God's word, not just the bits we like. But sadly, many Christians and many churches around the world, in our country, in our city, have given up on this idea, and they changed the message to suit the years of the hearer. Instead of speaking the truth, they twist the truth to make it acceptable to the popular culture. The Bible has a warning for us in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching years want to hear. This is a warning for us. We need to remain faithful to the truth. Don't fall into the temptation to change the message to suit our culture. Anybody know what the TV show this picture comes from? Yes, Minister, and yes, Prime Minister, right? Who's the man in the middle? Sir Humphrey Appleby, right? He, is, he was the, um, the undersecretary of some department of administrative affairs or something. Anyway, Sir Humphrey Appleby, he often got his agenda through against the wish of his minister, Jim Hacker, by flattering him. See, flattery is one of the most popular ways to manipulate people. And Sir Humphrey is really good at that. But Paul has a lesson for us when giving the message of new life. You see, because Paul is speaking from the ultimate truth, Paul doesn't need to use flattery. He doesn't need to flatter people up to give them the warm and fussy feeling. And Paul doesn't need to cover up greed or looking for praise for people because Paul has no ulterior motive to share the gospel with other people. And also, unlike car salesmen, Paul doesn't get a commission or any financial gain when someone turns to Jesus. Rather, Paul, he has a genuine heart to see people getting saved and to see God's kingdom grow. He reminds the Thessalonians of the integrity of his message. They have to be free from selfish ambition and personal gain. See, Paul adapts the way he communicates according to the audience 
In our first reading today, we read this uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessing. See, our church mission called us to give and to live the message of new life. And we're about giving message of new life. Look at the banner there. We're about connect, care, communicate, and commit. The way we do that to people are different. It depends on who the um, person we're talking to, um, depending on their life stories too. When we communicate the message of new life, we will ask them, what's your background with the church? And people answer the question differently because we all have different life stories. And when it comes to committing um, to live life in Jesus, we ask them, what makes committing to Jesus easy or difficult? Because we're all different. But remember one thing, the content of our message, that is the gospel, the truth, must always remain the same. Because at the end of the day, no matter how old you are, uh, your background, the church, your life story, everybody still needs to repent and believe in order to be saved. Paul always maintained his integrity as an apostle. He wanted to make sure that he was always above reproach so that he can represent Christ well. A while ago, I was meeting up with one of our youth. Um, she was doing the youth partnership course and doing the youth seminary course. And I emphasized to her the importance of maintaining our integrity as partners in the church. And that is why we require all our partners to complete the safe ministry course. And I know some of you love doing the course. So as a side note, if you haven't finished it yet, please do it. I'll be on to you soon. Next week, I've got my email out. Anyway, going back to safe ministry course, because we want our partners to always above reproach so that we all will be holy, righteous, and blameless, just like Paul was, who was just like Jesus was. Imagine this. If we Christians are not above reproach, if we don't have integrity, why would non-Christians want to hear our message? Why would they want to become a Christian and be a follower of Jesus? Anybody know which movie this picture comes from, or musical? Lay Miss, that's right. Now, in Lay Miss, after John Valjean rescued Cosette from her stepparents, he sang to her, I'm not going to sing now, because my singing is no good, but he sang to her, I will be a father and a mother to you. I thought it was a great line at the time, but always made me wonder, how is that possible? How can you be a father and a mother at the same time? Paul has an answer here. Paul shows us in verses 7 and 8 how he is a father and a mother to the Thessalonian church. He says this, Instead, we will like young children among you, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we care for you. See, a nursing mother, the imagery is someone who is very gentle, kind, loving, and caring for her babies, for her kids, to devote everything she has on her babies. A mother would do anything for her child, even if it means putting her life at risk. Why would she do that? Because of love, out of love. As Paul continues on, because we love you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. I think this is a beautiful, beautiful verse. Paul loves the people in his church so much 
that he was delighted not only to share the gospel with them, but also his life with them. This picture is uh, taken of my life group um, two years ago uh, at our Christmas party. And this is the same way how myself and our ministry team refer towards all of you too. We love you, we love you, and we love God. We're only too delighted to share not only the gospel with you guys, but also our lives with you. We love to talk to you, getting to know you. We love to pray for you, to pray with you, and also to do life together with you. You see, there's no place for those who are self-centered or autocratic to be a leader for God's people. Paul was being a mother to them, but he was also like a father to the Thessalonian Christian. Verses 11 to 12, he said this, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. See, a good father does three things here, to encourage, to comfort, and to urge their kids. Question for us, all of us here today, is this. How can we look after other believers, especially the new believers among us? Paul has one goal for the people that he ministers to, highlighted in blue here, to live lives worthy of God. Let's take a moment and ask, ask yourself this question. Is your life worthy of God? Or is there something you wish God would know or see? What do you need to change to live lives worthy of God? Let the living will of God transform your life. See, the Bible is the will of God that we have received, and now let the Holy Spirit transform us. Verse 13, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. It's not easy to live God's ways. There are lots of obstacles. It's placed by the devil to stop us to live God's way and to follow God. The Thessalonians, they were persecuted by their Jewish neighbors and by the people around them. And today, Christians across the world are persecuted for their faith. And maybe that's your experience too. Maybe at home, in your workplace, when you're at school, or with your friends. It's not easy to live as God's people here on earth. But the thing is, also many people have lost their life for following Jesus, for defending him. But Paul tells us this, they will be judged, in verse 16, the wrath of God has come upon them. Paul is urging them to endure in their faith. Have a look with me on, our, on the banner on this side of the church about giving the message of new life. The last step is about enduring. We want people to endure in their faith. We need to run the race of life. It's not a short, it's a long race. It finishes the moment we die. For some of us, it'll be a long, long time. So we need to endure in our faith to make sure we can run the race. Paul is urging them to endure in their faith. They are his hope. They are his joy. Like parents who take great pride of their kids' accomplishment. When we see people growing their faith, it's a great privilege in ministry, and it is our joy. In this new year, the year 2020, our church is focusing on growing and maturing apprentices in Jesus. So will you join us to grow and to mature in our apprenticeship with Jesus? 
See, we don't do it for a crown that will not last, but we do it for a crown that will last forever. As we run the race, let the will of God transform you. As you give the message of new life, remember, don't be a Mr. Wormwood and don't be a Sir Humphrey. Remember to communicate the truth faithfully to other people. We need to adapt the way we share our message, but the content of our message mustn't change. We need to always be faithful to God's word and finally let his word change us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you that in your grace and mercy you have saved us from our sin through your son Jesus Christ. We pray that you help us to live a life that is worthy of you. Help us to faithfully give the message of new life and please help us to grow and mature in our apprenticeship with you this year. Amen. I feel you take your care and connect card out. Um, as I said before, we love to pray for you and pray with you. If you have any prayer upon, uh, you can write that down in the card. And our staff team, we meet uh, every Monday morning uh, with the pastoral care team, and we pray over each card personally. And if you are not receiving a newsletter uh, already, you can also put your email address down, and we'll send out a weekly newsletter that tells you more about what's happening in our community each week. You can also write your name and your email address down, um, then yeah, we'll um, put you in our database. And at the end of the service, you can put that card in the letterbox. Um, that would be awesome with your pencil too.